Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the program. Hey, Robert. How's it going? Thank you for having me on here. Hey, my pleasure. It's, uh, it's always good to speak with you. Um, you were telling me off the air that uh, you've been into radio in various capacities since you were in high school. What year was that? I was doing that maybe the very first time. Might have been 2002, actually, to be honest, when I really first started wow. being involved in radio and also um, recording. Um, I, I had a, a friend, a friend's father of mine, actually, was a local DJ which is something I never really talk about anywhere else, but that's kind of how I first got sort of the idea of being involved in radio to any capacity. It was a, a friend of mine. His father was a local DJ in El Centro, California, where um, that's my hometown. So okay. that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> cool. So when you were growing up, what did you want to do when you got older? Well, in my mind, at first, I thought I was going to play in a band that and that's what I did for many years, Robert. I thought I was going to be a musician, mm -hmm. to be honest. But, you know, that didn't really work out the way I thought it would work out, to be that's completely a honest. A very tough gig. Extremely. But we did end up playing a couple of shows and playing at bars and mm -hmm. things of that nature. But, you know, that's very small time stuff. You had your toe in the the ocean, as it were. Um of yes. entertainment it is just uh having grown up in malibu now and my, my son's a composer and he's he's working at it but uh and i don't want to burst his bubble okay because I, I know he's talented but man <laughs> it's tough but of course you want to support your child no matter what they do right uh, but yes being a composer musician it's a very hard life well that's what i was going to ask you because every occupation i can think of like when we were growing up they're just like oh you could well for me anyway a long time back in the day dinosaurs it was um firemen uh, policemen astronaut ride things of that nature <clears throat> and i had no freaking clue what i wanted to do with my life uh other than wake up the next morning intact more or less so that's you so it was, i mean from when you were a child you actually thought you wanted to play music professionally I actually thought in my head I was going to be playing in a band and, and touring the, the nation. Oh, cool. I, I had that in my head. And, uh, you know, we, we sort of did leave a mark. I mean, mm -hmm. for a high school band to have another band in Mexico cover one of our songs. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. And they still play to this day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah that is really wild. So at least I left a, a little bit of a mark on certain people out there. Yeah. Uh, what instrument did you play? I played the bass. You played the bass? Okay. Did you ever write any songs? Well, I just helped write songs. It's mm -hmm. not really, mm -hmm. nothing really alone, though. I just wrote it specifically for the band. But I would say, yeah, I guess that's, I guess, yes and no. It, yeah. Well, typically bands, it's a group effort. My son is doing it on his own and he hires singers. He, he literally does everything except the vocals. I mean, himself. Yeah. But he and he he's already he sends a melody tracks of him singing 
not as well as they do. <laughs> and then, you know, he just pays them to do the, the job. And, um, and then he owns the, the product, the finished product. Oh, that's it's, a smart way of doing it. Well, as you know, there's, there's a lot of musicians, but there's very few composers and there's even fewer really good composers, in my opinion, in the world, in, throughout history. I mean, oh, you could say there's hundreds, yeah, but compared to musicians, I mean, come on, there's been millions of musicians on this planet. But <laughs> composing is a whole other... That's a different animal. It, it, it is, and most of the composers that I've ever read about or known, even some of the songs that I've written, it doesn't feel like you're fully doing it. You know? It's, yeah, you're kind of um, right. It's like you're almost like you're channeling it almost. Well, I mean, that's why they call it music. The muse is supposedly this disembodied female type uh, creative spirit that that enters a musician and um, or specifically a composer and downloads it into them if they're so willing. And um, so you got to be open to that, I guess. Personally, I don't see how you could force yourself to do that. Even if there's a lot of money on the table or whatever, it's just it seems to be more of a passion. And you have to have the ability, just like artists can see things, can they are sculptors because they can conceive of things three-dimensionally in their mind's eye. Composers actually hear the music in their mind before yeah, they execute. That's pretty wild. It is. And it's actually I found growing up, it was um a bit maddening to hear music in my head uh, most of the time. I had to really, really, really work at uh, either, well, I, there was no way I could shut it off unless I was actually focused completely on something else. Or when it's quiet, I found that um, I could change the channel or to a different song. And at least that gave me some control or at least feeling of control over what I was hearing. Right. Right. Sometimes we get into these sort of, I guess you can call it a stream of consciousness that goes through you and this sort of activates whatever reception you're, you're getting, whatever signals being sent your way. Some people are able to harness that better than others. And some don't even know what's happening. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, so music is not just entertainment. It can be very healing or it can be very um, disruptive. Right. You know, no, like heavy metal. <laughs> That's another genre, yes, uh, heavy metal. You can't listen to that too long without uh, getting a headache. Well, yeah, and so I guess we could have to cross this bridge. What genre of music do you play or did play? I played in a band that sort of liked, uh, I'm not sure if you are even familiar with this kind of mu uh, music, but it was like ska kind of, mm. kind of like upbeat sort of heavy bass um, bass lines going on, kind of like reggae in a way, but a little bit different. Right. Cool. A little bit faster. Um, so we kind of play, I played in a ska band without the horns, because, you know, there's horns and, and ska bands, traditional ska bands, they have these horns, they have these other instruments. We didn't really do that. We just had the whole sort of, um, uh, it's hard to describe. It's, it's, it's more a beat, really. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like again, like reggae, but a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we, we played. And I had a great time, though. I mean, I got to utilize different funky sort of bass lines that I, I enjoy that I, I took from the past. And, you know, 
um, rearranged it to make it fit for what we were doing. Yeah. But nothing new. It's just all old school, you know, basic walking of the bass, as they say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doing all that sort of jazz. Yeah. So, and jazz playing. That's kind of what influenced me as well. Huh. Um, yeah. So I, I have a lot of different strange influences when it comes to music. And I incorporated all of that into a punk rock band, basically. That's what we were. Oh. Played ska in, in this sort of genre. It was really strange, but we made it work. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome, though. It was, I had a great time. So my son started off playing classical piano. Like most children, didn't want to do it. But he's got skills. And um, then he graduated to rock guitar. There we go. Drums. And I taught him a little bit of how to record when he was a teenager. Um, some of his stuff, his early stuff is very, very funny. Uh, he cringes every time I try and play it. But um, <laughs> of course, yeah, that, that's my secret weapon. I want to piss him off. Um, but anyway, the, yeah, he went on to uh, learn jazz piano in, in college. Wow. Kept up with it. He's actually teaching now, but um, as well as composing uh, and he chose, of all things, the genre he's working in is uh, electric dance music, EDM. For people that know about that or are listening here, you, you might have heard of that. I never heard of it before. Just ask, your, yeah, just ask your kids. They'll tell you all about yeah. it. And I felt like such an old guy. I was like, <laughs> what is that EDM stuff you're playing here? And, and um, it was uh, – my wife were like, that's horrible. And and not that he's – I mean, what, which, again, we're trying to be supportive, but <laughs> – just well, I mean, that. let's be honest. The the whole EDM genre, it, it does sound like a number of fax machines going off. Yeah, there's a lot of mechanical stuff. Or it can be. It depends. It depends. It, okay. But just like the blues or any other genre, there's a there's a template format, whatever. Right. And that I got, uh, do you, what they call the drop. Right, yes. You rise and you drop and at least once. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's cool because, I mean, again um, – watching our son learn stuff that I would have never even dreamed of because now everything's in the digital. Right. I mean, I grew up with guys that had these incredible recording studios in Malibu. Um, I live right down the street from Ranch Shangri-La. I never got to go there, but um, I mean, amazing, amazing albums have been recorded there. Yes. The other side of Morning View have a drive there in Zuma Beach was um, some guys from Texas showed up and built a studio in there. And uh, so I, I, and I did get to hang out and watch them with tape and cutting tape and all this stuff, man. It was uh, That's nothing, the old school way, yeah. Nothing compared to today. If you're dedicated and have talent, oh my God, that all the techniques and tools are right there at your fingertips. It just takes time to learn how to use them all. And uh, what my son said was, it's a lot like cooking. You know, anybody can do it, but not everybody's going to make a gourmet, <laughs> you know, like get three Michelin stars or something. And it's because it's the um, the way that you blend the ingredients and maybe even the intent behind it has something to do with it. Because um, it is, music is an, an emotional way of communicating, very emotional com communications medium. Um, but, it's rather complex, you know, it's heavily layered. Yes. You wouldn't even know, uh, a normal person wouldn't even know what's going on. There, there's so many different sounds and the arrangement. Yes. And, uh, the way your son put it is actually quite quite accurate, yes. Well, the final process for people who don't know, yes, you've got many layers of the tracks of the whatever audio sounds. 
that you want to incorporate together, but then you've got the mix. The mix is something that, um, again, most people don't even attempt to do it. Like myself, I, I'm really lost because it's so technical. So it's not just uh, uh, artistry, it's science. There it's is a science. Really is. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's, it's yeah. very difficult to do. And, you know, people even like, um, let's say Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. if you go and get bored one day and look it up, look this up on YouTube, you can even see and hear how all of his music was sort of layered mm -hmm. and all the all the damn multi-tracks you, you had to do for certain little sounds. Yep. Things that you don't even notice at first. And you watch this video and you hear all the sounds and you hear all these little these little things that you don't even realize. And then once you hear it soloed by itself, mm -hmm. you're, oh, wow, that's the, that's going on in the back. That's going on in one of the layers there. Well, it's, I, it's, I get to, crazy. I get to see sometimes, not always, but I can actually see it when my son feels like it. He can show me the actual song uh, schematic. And of all the, of everything, <laughs> all the plugins, all the layers, all the, um, I forget how they call that, the other thing when you, sort of like effects, there's a, there's a name for it, maybe it is plugins. Anyway, sure. it is so complex. When I look at that, it's like, shoot, man, I bet you NASA wishes they had that stuff when they were trying to go up in space. I'm sure they do have it now, but it's just so amazingly complicated. And, um, and yeah, you can isolate a track and listen to it, and it just sounds, it doesn't sound like much of anything. When you play them all together. Here you go, yes. Yeah, it's, it's. It comes alive. It's magical. Actually, it is. Honest, I, I got to say, I'm, I do feel uh, that there is a level of um, magic involved in the process because I, maybe because I don't fully understand it, or I'm jealous because I can't do it uh, yet. But anyway, that's cool. I'm glad that you got a chance to do that. Uh, do you think you'll ever go back to it at all? Well, every time I go watch a band play live, I miss it. <laughs> I miss being on stage. I'm sure that's quite a rush. Oh, it is. It's, uh, there's nothing like it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I still feel that nervousness mm -hmm. the same way I felt nervous before going on stage as I do before going and doing my show. I get, I get the same feeling every time. No matter how many times I've done my show, mm -hmm. I, I get super nervous. Well, but you're going live on YouTube. Oh, I should tell people. Yes, again, I'll remind people how how do they find your show if they want to listen live? Well, if they want to listen live, we go um, live during the week. Mm -hmm. Usually, sometime during the week, we don't really have a set date. Um, but I'm usually on live. If you search uh, the Michael Deacon program on YouTube weekdays, mostly at a, about four p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And what is that, 7, 8 p.m. Eastern time, give or take. And that's where, um, basically, if you want to listen live, that's where we're at. And, of course, we're pretty much, we cover everything under the sun, you know, from the paranormal to conspiratorial things. And it's quite fun. I mean, I love doing it. I talk to all kinds of people. It never gets boring for me, to be honest. I, I enjoy it completely. And it's something that I've always wanted to do. And I'm finally getting a chance to do it on my own. But, you know, I've been able to do it on terrestrial radio a couple of times for, mm -hmm. for a short time. But, um, you know, I, I kind of prefer just doing it on my own rather than doing it for somebody else. Yeah, there's a lot of expectations, demands and restrictions when you're working on terrestrial radio uh, or even some of these streaming platforms. There's uh, I mean, that's what I've found. So um, 
Michael, uh, could you explain to me when men suddenly got the uh, ability to become pregnant? When men had the ability to become pregnant, I think that happened, I would say, once one, once people started really buying into what Hollywood was was selling to uh, the media. And unfortunately, lots of people believe there's more than uh, two sexes nowadays. It's it's quite quite phenomenal. But that's where we are in 2023. You know, men can get pregnant now. Men can have their periods now. Mm. There's tampons being sold in boys' restrooms and teachers mm. grooming their their children. Um, parents got to beware nowadays. It's it, it's it's a strange world we're living living in right now, Robert. It's never been this way before, but. I would say around the late 2000s, that's, that's kind of, you know, I was not early, not late 2000s. I'd say about 2014, 15, we really started seeing the Hollywood agenda start really clamping down on America. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because it would take something like that to actually um, influence the hearts and minds of the masses to go into that direction, the so-called uh, the Wokies or... I don't know what you call them. There's all kinds of names. I don't want to start calling people names, but uh, yeah, I'm just saying this. They call themselves the woke. And, the very woke. Uh, <laughs> there's a very woke. Okay, how woke are you, uh, Michael? Um, well, I get my period. That's how woke I am. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, okay, here's the other question. How many genders are there now? Well, the last time I checked, there was like like 15. Oh, no, there's it's over 70 now. Or it's over 70 now? 70, that's what my neighbor told me. So, I mean, and he, he said it with a straight face. So I'm guessing that's where we're, we're at and counting. Well, that is just confusing. Uh, to say the least. And I think that's the whole intention behind it. But I, I don't mean, understand what's going on in this world, Robert. Well, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> because I figured, you know, you talked to all these smart people. and uh, Well, that's true. But um, even the smartest people I've talked to, some of the ones that have gone to college for most of their lives, yeah. even they lack common sense, unfortunately, Robert. Yes, that is definitely true. And I actually, I don't think they te- they've ever taught, well, maybe in the past in America and other places, it seems like the uh, schools were, the curriculum allowed people, the, the students to become much smarter um more eloquent at least at the very least and um i don't know it it just uh, it boggles my mind i'm glad my son has already graduated but i feel bad for kids that are there now having to go through this whole nonsense about being masked and, and about not everything paid. what about everything i mean about they're, they're everything. so yeah. confused and, I would and, yeah all that crap it's 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 a <laughs> oh my god i i remember there was controversies over just milk it's like is milk really bad for you or is it good yeah uh, we'll just be glad robert that your son is in 15 right now and experiencing what other kids are going through right now i mean this is a really strange time for them you know they had to wear a mask and now they're being told that there's more than one sex or two sexes rather there's it, it it's strange it's a strange time and you got to feel sorry for parents out there that have young kids well especially if they go to school board meetings and start reading from things that their child showed them out of the library that's pornographic or pedophilic. Is that a word? Yeah, pedophilic, I I think that's about right, you know. And for some odd reason, I I don't know what happened right now, but I just remembered something about Michael Jackson. Uh 
I know it's extremely random and out of left field. Sorry. But I recall there was some sort of there was these strange books that were that was found um, in his pop in his property back in 1993. There was these uh, strange books containing photographs of boys that are pretty underage, and it was full frontal nudity. Whoa. And yeah, it was found. It was called Boys Will Be Boys, and it, it was a book found in Michael Jackson's uh, home. Basically, it was something that was seized from Neverland Ranch. I yeah. would say back in uh, 2003, actually, is when it happened. Mm. And uh, yeah, these it, I, I have no idea what's going on, Robert. This has been normalized, this sort of behavior. And for some odd reason, I thought of Michael Jackson for some yeah, yeah, strange he, reason here. Or, yeah, I mean, and not that he wanted to be. I think he, my understanding is he was abused as a child. Yeah. And that's typically what happens. I mean, from what I studied in psychology is um, people that are abused go on to be abusers. Not all of them, but a, a pretty large percentage. So and, what happens? You got to be careful nowadays. Well, yeah. You got to be careful anytime. Yeah, any day. It, it, it happened before all this yeah. madness. But the fact that, you, as you say, they're trying to normalize it. Uh, obviously, there's going to be, there is, and there's going to be more pushback on uh, Drag Queen story time and um, all that insanity. And um, I mean, it is pedophilia. And and last I checked, that's illegal. But um, apparently, so are a lot of things that these uh, woke people claim that is now normal, the new normal. Yep, that's what they call it, the new normal. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, these sort of agendas will continue on more so than we'd like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I'm not a Republican or a conservative. I'm not a Democrat, a liberal. I'm none of those things, by the way. I'm, I'm just a free spirit observing the world with uh, rational eyes and mind. Well, good for you. I, I suspected you were one of those people. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I'm a little too radical for any side. Yeah, me neither. I, I'm very independent as much as I could possibly be. The best um, way to be. It's it's a tough job. I swear to God. It's like people expect you to be on their team. You know, you either win oh, it or you're against it. And once they find out that you're not exactly 100% on board, then you become the enemy. Or or simply just uh, displaced, ignored, whatever. Exactly. It's it's a shame. But a lot of people are brainwashed, though, Robert. It's it's a sad thing. It's a sad. Yeah. I have noticed this. Um, have you ever been to Malibu? I've never been. Well, actually, you know what? I've been to Malibu. Yes, of course. I've been there. OK, well, I don't know. Plenty of times. I, I know. I just had to think about it. I'm like, wait, was I there? <laughs> I have. Yeah, I've been there. OK, a lot of people have. A lot of people, more people have actually seen it around the world on television. So they kind of have a skewed perspective of it. I'd like to know what you think of it based on your visits there. Well, Malibu is extremely expensive. That's all I can say. That is true. But I think it's extremely beautiful. The weather is always around the 50s, no matter what time of the year it is. It, it's extremely lovely out there. Mm -hmm. And um, again, very expensive, just like most places are in California. But Malibu, there is something special about it. But just like every other beach in California, there, there's something special about it, like Laguna Beach, mm -hmm. Malibu, even out here, even in like in Huntington Beach, it, there's something special about the beaches out here in California. Yeah, a lot of negative ions. And uh, as you said, it's, it's a lot of natural beauty. Stunning. There's there's no way to compare it. Um, I I mean for me a lot a lot of people when I travel around the world, fifty something countries. I just say where are you from? I said Malibu. They go, oh my god, really? And the, 
well, it's just my home. I don't know. I kind of got jaded by it. Uh, but now that I've been away from it for many years, uh, I understand. But unfortunately, it has gone downhill. I don't know. When was the last time you were out there? Um, It's been a number of years since I was out there. I think I might have been to what's that beach out there in Santa Monica. Um, I was there just a, like maybe two, three years ago, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The very last time. And yes, there there was a homeless issue. A lot of homeless have moved out. Yeah, of it's like Venice Beach all of a sudden. Uh, yeah. And so there's problems with pollution and um, people are slightly upset, to say the least. I think the biggest problem out there is drugs, as it, and it has been for a long time. And, and it's just so ironic that there's um, a lot of people making fortunes in their homes uh, setting up rehabs. Oh, my goodness, really? Yeah, so there's some irony in all of that, I guess, because and from what I'm hearing now, I can't say for everybody, but um, a, a lot of these rehabs are not accredited. They're super expensive because, hey, it's Malibu and um, they don't actually work as far as long term recovery from from uh, drug abuse or whatever problems that people have. So, um, God, there was one I, I'm blanking on the the name of the place it was they they advertise on tv all the time it turned out that the guy was that lean guy was it's a real nut job there's, there's a <laughs> lot of crazy people in malibu is what i'm trying to say so okay i'm glad you didn't have to go through it it's 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 nice to visit but once you live there and you know about the um the dark undercurrent of that particular location it's it's absolutely stunning i have been threatening for years to release all the information i've compiled on it not just from personal experience but i mean there's a lot in the public record uh that would absolutely shock you not just in the number of suicides but murders and from various ways and the um radiation there from nuclear accidents over the hill uh, and other things it's just like uh, a lot of people died of cancer in that town yeah there's lots of things that go on they're in California that a lot of people are not aware of. Right, right. That I get, California, yeah. But most people think, like I said, this is why I brought it up. Most people, and I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Anybody who's listening is like, what? Malibu is so pretty. Yeah, it is. But it, it is. Like, yeah. yeah, but that's a bit of a facade for what's underneath, which. The underbelly, yeah. Part of it is the genocide of the native people that lived there for thousands of years. That's right. say, well, okay, that went on across the country, around the world. Yes, it did, but um, uh, it's still part of the etheric nature of Malibu. Was the way that the the people there were so deliberately genocide, much like what's happening to the rest of the world right now from these Satanists. Um, and uh, part of it was, um, what they call, uh, germ warfare. Now, whether that was intentional or not, that was the end result. A lot of them just, the native people died from exposure, but those who survived were, um, forced to become converting to Catholicism and, um, or be, uh, considered terrorists. That's right. And they killed all kinds of Indians. Yes. Mm -hmm. Routinely. Yeah, and, that's what they did over at Black Star Canyon, and as well, there's a crazy story about what happened out there. Lots right. of Indians massacred. Yeah, Black Star Canyon for 
anyone that's not familiar with it, that's a place out here in, in uh, around Orange County, a place I like to go and hike every now and then when I when I get a chance to. Um, Black Star Canyon, on top of on top of uh, this crazy path that you have to go when you're hiking, you you'll come across a waterfall. By the way, mm. and um, lots of people aren't even aware that there are waterfalls here in California. Yeah, I've been to a few. There's a number, yeah. But yeah. Black Star Canyon, incredible, by the way. If anyone likes to um, go hiking, that's a great hike. Mm-hmm. They say it's haunted, by the way. Well, that's, yeah, that's how Malibu is. They say the curse of the shoe mesh, but I think it's a little deeper than that. Um, the other cool thing that I really love is getting poison ivy. Oh, my God, yes. And and <laughs> scared to death by snakes on the trail. That That's always fun. And ticks. But other than that... Um, I've seen two rattlesnakes, uh, by the way, when I went on a hike. Up close? Very up close. Too oh. up close. <laughs> that's not crazy. Good. That's not good. No, not at all. It's it's good for your adrenaline. It gets it all. Your body gets nice and warm and tingly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Robert. You know, I've gone on a number of hikes, and it was one of the first times and uh, first times I've actually seen a rattlesnake up close. It was, and it happened twice. Okay. And uh, you know, you see it on TV, and you hear the rattle. You know, it, it's it, the TV does no justice for actually hearing it in real in real time and in person. It's extremely loud, by the way. Yep, really it's loud thing. It triggers something deep, like primal in us. Oh yeah, I didn't know I could literally leap backwards <laughs> multiple feet until I almost stepped on a black one that was coiled That's and just crazy. looking right at me like, and I went what. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty amazing the energy that that can uh, come off these, and they're just telling you back away, don't step back up. up. Yeah, it's not they're not aggressive like a black mamba, but when you're hiking, like you said, I've done more. I have seen more than two in my life. My God, in fact, because I grew up in the '60s out there when there was very few homes, and there was a lot of snakes. There was deer, uh, you know, mountain lions. Occasionally, um, people said there were still bears. Up in the mountains, uh, yeah, very interesting place to live. But uh, it, it, to me, it, it I, obviously you can't go home. I can't afford to go back there. And even if I could afford it, I wouldn't because it's just not the same. And it's not. It's not the same as it used to be. And yeah, the prices are extremely high. And that was before inflation. It started off as ten cents an acre. Yeah, I mean, wow. And but and it wasn't even legal. Okay, the the. The title, the deed to the property, uh, Rancho Topanga Secret, was uh, in question because the I think it was the King of Spain or something. Anyway, the whole thing is uh, a farce. And now I forget what, how much it is an acre, but I guess, you know, all the way up to a million or more. Most likely, yeah. Yeah, 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 at this point. So uh, yeah, don't, I, don't come out here. <laughs> Look, I enjoyed it while I was there, and I realized that was a privilege to be able to live on the beach or any beach. Actually, I guess is beautiful. Um, have you ever? Oops, sorry. Have you ever been to Florida, South Florida? I've never been to Florida, but I often talk about it. I often say how um, insane it is out there. <laughs> so much goes on in Florida. It's so much bad stuff, kind of like California, except um, I, I wouldn't say it's not as extreme as what goes on in Florida. No, it's true. There's there's a lot of wild people here. Um, the drivers are, at least the ones I've, some of them are extremely dangerous, like kill you dead in the intersection kind of thing. 
um, supposedly by accident. I don't know. The, the, it's a very interesting place to live. I'm about six miles from the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, it's beautiful, but it's not it's not the Pacific that I grew up with. And um, the water's warm, but it's also – even the water's freaking deadly. People die here from the rip currents. Mm. They're so strong. The lateral current here um, quite often is so strong, the, under, the undertow pulls people off of their feet, much like it's an, like a river you can't see. You walk out there go, oh, it's beautiful, it's warm, it's calm. Nope. Uh, and because they're not good swimmers, they don't know how to get out of it. Yeah, you got to be careful out there, especially um, any beach, really. Yes. Gotta be really careful. The current can just uh, take you out. Um, one of the great things, though, about being out here where I am, you know, anytime I've gone, let's say, to Laguna Beach, I've, I've always seen dolphins every time I've been out there, which is amazing. You know, you want to be surrounded by dolphins because <laughs> you don't want to be around sharks, that's for sure. And where you're at, ooh, there's lots of sharks there. Yeah. And there's sharks uh, where I am, too, out here in, in these waters, but more so out there for some reason. Yeah, I usually saw... Um dolphins in Malibu when I was surfing and uh, I haven't really spent much time in the water here but uh, yeah I realize there's sharks everywhere and you, you just got to be cautious about it's just like anything else in life hell I, I, it's more dangerous just driving down the street here to tell you the truth there's people on the surface streets that go 70 to 100 miles an hour and not just one or two but this is kind of routine for some people I guess they're on drugs or whatever um, but then you got the old people that can't hardly, <laughs> they can't see or hear very well. And there's right. a lot of old people here. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a weird juxtaposition. So I, I'm just saying, I know everybody says, oh yeah, Florida's great because, but then I would say it's a great place to live if it doesn't kill you. Right. Exactly. You got to worry about all these little critters running around out there mm -hmm. and of course the weather, very humid out there. Yeah, I don't mind that. It's like, and I, I knew the hurricanes were a thing. Oh, that too, yeah. The last one was very large, and so the we were on the leading edges of it, and then we got tornado warnings on our phone. And I'm like, what do you mean, tornadoes? <laughs> uh, so I walked outside. It was nighttime. I walked out, I opened the door, and across the street, there's these flashes of lightning and a crashing, and I'm like, holy crap. So I shut the door, and then the next day I saw on the news, yeah, the the Right across the street, the neighbor's facilities, uh, apartment complex, the roof was torn off, cars were tossed around. I'm like, and branches, were, trees were snapped down. I'm like, okay, so there are, that's a tornado. And uh, not a huge one like you see in Wizard of Oz or Midwest, but they, so hurricanes and tornadoes kind of go hand in hand. You have to have the right conditions. And I wish somebody told me that because maybe I would have thought twice about moving down here. But. Uh, it's too late now. Now it, Florida is your home. And one more um, tidbit here for the yeah. listeners. You know, Florida is still world shark bite capital, according to the Guardian. But oh. it, but then they say, but attacks on humans lowest in decade. <laughs> so across the world, there were 57 unprovoked shark bites in 2022, most mm -hmm. of which occurred in the U.S. and, and Australia. So yeah. Florida is pretty high up there when it comes to uh, being attacked by a shark. Or eaten by an alligator. Or an alligator, exactly. It happened recently. Some old lady was walking her dog, and I feel terrible for her, but my Yikes. God, you know. Um, when you move here, and there's actually, when you walk around, a body, any body of water that's big enough, they've got signs that be, beware of alligators. So if you're not, I guess, if you're not paying attention, that's what happens. Um, it's snatched up.
I think it partially because she had her dog. It probably was looking at the dog and said, oh, that's too small a morsel because a lot of people have little dogs now. Right. Yeah. They have really tiny little dogs. And and he's like, oh, that old lady, she looks like an easy meal. So and she was. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't. It didn't last long because the, the officials went and drug the thing up out from underneath the. Uh, I don't know how they do that, but they they somehow snagged the damn thing. You know, the other thing is they're protected. No, that's right. They are. They're like endangered species, right? Oh, God. So if, if you have an incident with one and the fish and game is called, they're going to transport it into the Everglades. You know, however far. It's not that far away, by the way. The Everglades, most of Florida, southern Florida is Everglades. I just can't imagine being taken out by a dinosaur, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, and there's also invasive species. The, uh, the the boa constrictors or pythons or whatever they've got, we've got here. Um, yeah, but insects, too, that are just um, annoying. Yeah, I mean, look, I lived in Hong Kong for four years, and, and uh, yeah. You have weird insects there, too. A lot of them, and um, the, the what's weird is they don't have screens on the windows. Not that you would want to, but the... Um, the couple months a year, winter, you can actually open a window. There's no screens. I, they they just don't use them for whatever reason. And uh, strange. So yeah, but I mean, I actually went hiking in some of the most thickest jungles of my life there on the island where I lived. Uh, Lantau Island is where the airport is, mm-hmm. and it's also where uh, Hong Kong Disneyland. And there's some <laughs> spooky, deep, uh, thick jungle in the mountains there i mean those islands are all mountains so uh and it rains a lot it's hot and i stupidly went by myself into some of these places you know it's it's okay it's okay i i mean i i've kind of prefer it yeah but there was a couple times i thought man you you could be a meal here (laughs) you idiot you shouldn't easily easily cut up and uh injured whatever you could have been one of these uh, missing people in these cases. No, I, yeah, well, it's a small area. I think uh, eventually they would have found something of me. Um, so what is the, the your favorite place you've ever been traveled to on this planet? Oh, that's a hard one. I know. That's a really hard one. But there is a place that I really like um, out sort of by Bakersfield, Kern <laughs> County. I know it well. Yes, with the hot spring out there. Oh. There's a hot spring right by um, by the river out there. It's like right <laughs> on the river. And that was probably my favorite spot I've ever encountered. Because, really? you know, I'm not a big hot spring fan, but I was for that short period of time when I discovered there was one by a river. And it was pretty crazy. You're, you're like in this hot spring. Right. Extremely hot. And it's right on the river. You just look over and the river's right there. And, you know, I would... Get in the hot spring, I would jump out and get inside the, the water. <laughs> and the water was extremely cold. It was nearly frozen almost. Right. But then you just jump right back into the hot spring and you're fine. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I know. I've, I've driven by that place many times. Uh, beautiful out there. It is. It's gorgeous. I mean, California has a lot to offer. Oh, yeah. People <sighs> don't even know that. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. People often badmouth California all the time. But yeah. that always comes from people that have never been here. 
Right. They're just hearing things. And of course, this, the news is usually just the bad stuff. But that's right. So even though you got deluge with rain and snow and whatever, the the cool thing is that uh, springtime, you're going to have an incredible super bloom out in the desert areas this year. Have you ever seen it? I well, have. Live out there. Yeah, actually. Live sorry. There, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that is phenomenal. I think it's like nature's paintbrush. You go out there and you can just drive around and see all these incredible colors just spreading across the landscape. Absolutely. And that sort of segues into a story I wanted to tell you about uh, Joshua Tree, California. Okay. Out in the desert. Yeah. Um, the we have time, right? I could tell yeah, the story. Of course, of course. Go ahead. You were in the high desert. I was in the very high desert, Joshua Tree, California, and this was back in the summer of 2016. I had received an invitation to attend a conference called Contact in the Desert. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Oh, yeah. Well, I was uh, invited to go out there, and it was, um, you know, I, I'm only about an hour or two away, so right. I went out there, and despite being aware of the heavy military activity in the area, I was excited to attend and hope to experience something extraordinary. Um, however, I made a bold statement beforehand claiming that if I did not win as anything unusual, I would completely give up on uh, discussing paranormal phenomenon and UFOs and aliens, all these sort of subjects. I wow. said, you know, I'm going to give it up if I don't experience anything out there. I'm just going to be done with it. Mm hmm. And upon arriving at Joshua Tree, I was immediately struck by an explicable sense of unease. Mm -hmm. It was as if the atmosphere was charged with an otherworldly energy is the best way I can describe it. Nonetheless, the first day of the conference was unremarkable, except for the fact that I was surrounded by like-minded people. Yeah. And things took a fascinating turn when I returned to my hotel room. And, uh, you know, I'm with a friend of mine. And, you know, we're in the room for a few hours just talking about what went on. We're both in our separate beds. Suddenly, the entire room, um, Robert, was bathed in an intense, blinding light. It was like the world's strongest fluorescent light was turned on. It was so bright that I couldn't even escape its glare, even by closing my eyes. Mm. And the light lasted for about a minute before vanishing wow. as abruptly as it, ha as it appeared, rather. And mm -hmm. I was told it, it manifested from behind me. And I thought, what the hell does that mean? And I was stunned and bewildered. And I turned to my friend and asked if they had experienced the same thing. Mm -hmm. And to my amazement, Robert, they had. So the it was a shared experience. And the experience left, left us both feeling excited and just stunned. Despite being someone who tries to maintain a rational mindset, I, I could not explain what the hell just happened. And mm -hmm. I, of course, mentioned this to... Um, what's his name? David Sarita as mm -hmm. well. And he thinks they were light beings. However, I, I don't know what it was. And I still am rather confused to this very day about what the hell that was. But it was something, I don't know if it was otherworldly. I don't know if it was an angel, a light being, a demon. I have no clue. Right. Um, but yes, it, it was something that I remain unsure of what exactly occurred uh, to to us that night, it remains um, perplexing and intriguing. Yeah, of course. What what color was the light? Just white. Just white. Okay, so I experienced that too uh, multiple times. 
when we were having close encounters uh, on the mountains in Malibu above Point Magoo. And they were beaming a light like that on us. And I, I think I mentioned to you before, I have no idea why they were doing it or what was the purpose. I mean, the effect was obviously got our attention, but it was very disorienting actually to be in the dark up there on a mountain and then suddenly to have that much light wow. just engulf you, no sound, no reason or rationale behind it. And uh, it wasn't a floodlight. I'm talking about, as you, as you described, it totally engulfs you. And it's so bright that it actually gave me a bit of a headache because, you know, your pupils will, will dilate massively if it's in the dark and then suddenly it's bright and then it's dark. and. <laughs> Yeah, my eyes took a bit of time to adjust. I imagine so. And but I'm there's got to be a, an answer to it and I think that's what kind of motivates me over the years is I'm it's not just curiosity. I'm, I, I there's obviously a relationship that we are still trying to either establish or fully comprehend and move forward with because I don't think it's just idle curiosity on their part. Um like, I don't think we're just lab rats for them. I know a lot of people say we're an experiment. Yeah, well, I don't feel like an experiment. Um, you know. So you think this was extraterrestrial? Or interdimensional. Interdimensional, yeah. In, it, because that seems to be a common explanation or description f that people have when they're in the presence of things that we feel or um, called, the, you know, other than something completely out of our realm. Um, I, and you know, okay. So you, like you said, you were near a military base. So yeah. I, but that was not our technology. As far as I can tell, like if you've got that kind of stuff, maybe you should probably tell somebody or. Right. Yeah. And I was, I was in a hotel room, you know what I mean? So it's like, you have technology to do that. And just to go into one room and do that. Well, that you know yeah. of. I mean, this is the other thing. A lot of people are so freaked out by their experiences that we call paranormal, supernatural, whatever, uh, that they don't want to discuss it because it makes them sound or feel crazy. I mean, it, it, obviously things are better now because of whatever, the, the internet, podcasting, all that stuff. Right. But it's still very disturbing to, I, I mean, some people are so traumatized by it. They, they don't they don't tell anybody. That's they, right. And and I've tried telling a few people on the show, a few guests, and yeah. they're just like, you, you know, maybe you shouldn't tell that story. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe you shouldn't be on the show. It's so innocuous, Michael. I mean, come on. It's it, But it happened. OK. And that's part of who you are. You were. And actually, OK, look, light is information. We know that light does communicate or transfer, transmit information. That's not just energy. I mean, you know, like fiber optics, right? So it's possible that that um, information was downloaded into you, or and or myself. It's I mean, possible. that's one of the one of the suppositions I've come up with. Why would they be doing that repeatedly? Uh, I mean, more than a half a dozen times to myself up on that mountain, uh, and yourself that one time, very 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 distinctly. I mean, how much information could be downloaded in a in a blip or even a minute? To us, because well, here's what I know about DNA. It's not only a, a transmitter of monochromatic light, but it's also a receiver. It's like a little antenna, and well, uh, and then obviously we got more than one. <laughs> you got billions of DNA antennas in your body. Yeah. Um, right. So, and I just think that that may be a more advanced way of actually communicating, transmitting information to us. Well, I always felt like the body was a satellite. 
picking mm. up these frequencies. And, you know, I did put out that signal, though, Robert, before you it went of, out there. It was a bit of a challenge to the universe to like, okay, Michael. It, exactly. <laughs> and it was just a few days before I went out there and there. And I said it live on the show. Mm -hmm. If I don't experience anything, then I'm completely done with this. I'm never going to talk about it again. And then this happens the first night. Well, it, I'm not surprised, although I'm sure it was shocking, somewhat traumatic, whatever, con confounding. I I know that we are being um, observed, put it mildly, and in ways that we can't fully comprehend, which is probably a good thing, because I know when it was first demonstrated to me that they could literally read my mind, or my thoughts that that it, it it freaked me out. I mean, I was I was in a state of shock. I was literally shaking. I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, uh, <laughs> what's going on? Um, yeah, that's how I felt. I just thought, I, I can't believe this is real. That this this is this happened. Yeah, okay, so let's let's go the other way. Not only could it download information, they could be uploading information through the light from you. It's true. Yeah. When you take a picture, you're literally uploading information, light energy off of a Whatever, whatever the object is you're photographing. I, I often wondered about that, you know, is it is you're hitting a, it with light? Yeah, well, you can't take a photo. Well, yes, a photograph requires light to be emitted and reflected. And um, in order to get to get a, a, a an image. A pattern, and that's really all it is. And I, this kind of brings me back full circle to music. Everything is patterns of frequency or vibrations. And it's either resonance or dissonance, harmony or discord. And um, uh, we know that they have, they, the dark side has messed with our ability to be more fully in a state of resonance. Resonance, that's a hard word. It is. Um, <laughs> for me. Because it, the more fully resonant we are and the more harmony that we experience or embody, the harder it is for them to manipulate us to be, you know, in, in a state of dissonance or discord or distress. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this sort of experience for you, you were left with a sort of a slight headache. And yeah. um, at the time, were, were you frightened by it? You know, I was kind of scared at first, but then that feeling sort of just went away. The The, the fear went away and just more of the curious sort of feeling came over me where I just wanted to know what the hell that was. Yeah, and I was with people up at the time. Sometimes it was just two of us. Sometimes it was like half a dozen, and we were absolutely baffled. Isn't that the best, though, that you had a, a shared experience rather than it just being alone, rather than you just being alone? I mean, it, it's better that other people were there and they could validate your experience, too. Yeah, but it, uh, the problem is we don't know what happened. We, yes, it it happened, but we don't know what it was or why it happened, and that sure. was. But like, at least, at least, you know you're not crazy now. No, no, I. Yeah, I kind of that would be easier if people if I could simply say, oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a little crazy. I uh, wish I could say that too, but I mean, there was <laughs> there was someone else in the room with me, so I can't rule that out so easy and be like, you know, I'm just nuts. Yeah, that's because uh, these days, actually, being insane on some level, I mean. Uh, is quite acceptable. That's Didn't right. That way. Um, I guess that's what wokeism is. It's a form <laughs> of a collective insanity. Uh, what a strange world this is, Robert. Yeah, it's going to get weirder, though. I think that's why we're having this conversation. It was just sort of setting the table to uh, the next level of weirdness that's coming. If I read the tea leaves correctly, um, I don't always, but I mean, it, 
Okay, so you know when you have experiences like this, it definitely alters your perception of everything. It, it has. Full, it does. Full yeah. denial mode. Yeah, full denial. I crossed that Rubicon a long time ago. I, I there's no going back for me, and I think that's the same for you. I mean, that was just a little little taste of of interaction with things that are, I don't know, or intelligences that are so beyond that it, it it takes us out of our comfort zone into a whole nother realm. And if you survive it, I think some people and haven't done very well because of it. Um, but if you survive it intact, I think that it opens the door to more stuff. It does. And it gave me meaning, though, to be honest, Robert. You know, it set me on this path that I'm on now. And it validated for me that I, I should continue this path. Something wanted me to continue. And that's kind of how I feel about doing my show. I feel like I'm supposed to be doing it. Yeah. Well, okay. That makes perfect sense Gave to me. Any purpose. Well, I think, yeah, we all, right. What is the purpose of life or what is the meaning of life? It's, it's very individualized within a collective and that what's, that's what makes it very complex. You know, and I think these days, it, it is too complex. Uh, people are suffering from cognitive dissonance from just an overload of information. Most of it is completely irrelevant. And people have no outlet, though. That's also the problem, though, Robert. That's why a lot of people go insane and commit these acts of violence and cruelty and disparity. Um, lots of them don't have these avenues to explore to get it out from them. Whatever, whether it's frustration or just their creative mind, anything of that nature, some people just don't have... Something like what me and you both have here, Robert, but this platform to speak our minds and have this sort of creative outlet. Lots of people in America don't have anything like that, um, and, and they never will. Yeah, I can see by the email that I received, especially after the show, the most recent show that you and I did. Right. Uh, it touched some people very deeply, and they wrote to me and said, you know, please share more information. I, 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 need, I really want to understand more about who I am, where I am, what is what is this relationship with the so-called God and angels and stuff that's like in a non-religious format that that appealed to people very, very, very deeply. So I I feel like we're making progress, but at the same time, I also know we've got we've got a long we've got a lot of work to do. But we are connecting with with folks out there, and yep. our interview that we did, I, I did get get a lot of responses that way, but I had no idea that you were also receiving these sort of emails and messages. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! I uh, every time I do a show that is like yours, that's like-minded and and reaches a lot of people, I because I'm one of those crazy guys that'll actually answer emails. A lot of talk show hosts they don't. They, no, they do not. And I've I've hear pack from people like I tried to contact them and I never heard back. But you're for some reason I, you're. <laughs> anyway, we need to take a break, break Michael. So uh, please stick with us through the break. Everybody, we'll be we'll be right back after these messages. Okay, perfect. Nice. Do you want to? Do you need to take a break, or do you want to roll for another fifty-four? I'm good. All right. You're a pro, Michael. Oh, thank you. I've been doing it too long. <laughs> Matter of fact, I was asked to um, fill in for another show host that I don't really know him very well, um, but he invited me to fill in for him while he goes and gets like cancer treatment or something. Good lord. Yeah, and he's on terrestrial radio, mm -hmm. and um, I guess he's talking to two other people right now. But I'm one of the people that he wants me to to do the do a show, and you know if I if I do do it, 
you know, I'd love to have you on with me. Oh boy. Well, it, it, thank you. Well, um, sure. Let me know. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank Great you. Leg. Uh, you've got Let's the happens. Actually, you got the voice and the temperament. Okay, I, I, I'm really very uh, uh, pleased to know you, but I'm also very proud of the fact that you are carrying the torch forward because you do have a skill as far as communication. So, okay, let's let's save this for the... You got it. Okay, all right. All right, welcome back to the program. Special guest today is Michael Deacon. And uh, Michael, again, tell people how they they find your show, the Michael Deacon program. Yes, if you, yes, if you want to find the podcast rendition of the program, just look up the Michael Deacon program, search it wherever you download your preferred podcast. That's where you can find me. Just search my name or go to YouTube, search in the Michael Deacon program, and that's where you'll find us live. But yes, the podcast rendition of the program, take us on the road with you. We would love to uh, entertain you when you go and do your daily chores or your commutes. It's a great time. I mean, we talk about everything under the, under the sun. Sometimes it's politics. Sometimes it's more on the entertainment side. But either way, you're going to get out of there having a, a, a good time. Whether you get angry, we'll pull you right back out and then you'll have fun again. You know, we bring you up and down. Yeah, that's one of the things I appreciate about you is you're not pedantic. You're not like uh, frantically trying to get people to believe something, you know, or else. Uh, that's just, And I think a lot of these guys actually mean it, but it's so draining. Um, I, and I've actually had people write to me and say, um, your voice is soothing. Well, that's thank you. It's not my intent, but it's because I'm not yelling. Uh, exactly. Some of these guys and, and they make that's their shtick. You know, at, at some point it just becomes uh, hilarious that they're. They're bulging, you know, eyes and veins and probably going to have heart problems and stuff. <laughs> not worth it. No, not at all. I mean, there are a lot of people out there like that. But um, I, again, I, I run a mostly entertainment show. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I say all kinds of ridiculous things um, out of it's all satirical. It's all a good time. And That's then there's then then there are times when I do interviews that are just very straight laced. Mm hmm. Yeah, I know that feeling. It's it's good to have a range wherever possible. And uh, I'm starting to think that podcasting is probably the better way because even when you do a live show on a stream um, or even when I did national radio once a week, I was on America's Morning News. I was their extraterrestrial correspondent. Love that. To D.C. That was nuts. Okay. But um, I th- – w- th- these days everything is recorded. And archive. So it's like you don't really have to be live anymore. It's not like that. And actually, it's more advantageous, I think, because the pressure is off. Uh, I hate looking at the clock all the time. You know, it it, it kind of it can be a little um, distracting. I agree. Right. And there's uh, if there's a producer, they're like they're either talking in your ear or they're sending you to messages like, yes, uh, it was a lot of work. Yeah, and I've been in that world before where I've, I've had to do these shows and there's a timer and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, I might I might have to return to that world for a few short weeks. We'll see how that works out. Um, I'm crossing my fingers. It'd be fun to get back on, on the airwaves yet again. That's mm-hmm. how a lot of people found my show as well. You know, I, I sure. was invited by George Norrie to plug my show on Coast to Coast AM God. back in uh, 2017. Yeah. And that was cool. I had a great time, but 
it was just a quick plug, but um, doing a show of your own and playing your own kind of bumper music and all that sort of jazz, th- that was a lot of fun for me. It was it sure. was pretty cool. It was very nostalgic. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I grew up on radio uh, because I the, the, in, in Malibu back in the 60s, there, we didn't have cable. And the reception for television was horrible. So, I mean, I already liked radio anyway, but at night I would listen to when the, the ionosphere changed and I could listen on shortwave to all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's always fun. Listen to that stuff. I'd read and I'd listen and I was, it was theater of the mind, okay? It was really cool. And I actually wanted to do radio, but not like this. I wanted to do more like entertaining um, creative stuff more. And you, that's why some of my stuff is like a, a little wacky. Well, I wouldn't say it's wacky. It, over the years it has been. I've been because I just was just, you know, basically living a boyhood dream of, uh, oh, if I could have my own, if I could do a radio show, it would be like this, you know. Um, and so I've incorporated some of that that weirdness. And eventually I ended up doing my own radio station for a while, just the streaming audio. I still have one. Uh, it's 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 more of a hobby, but it's all all like over 800 hours of archived shows that I've done in the past, including stuff I've done with George Norrie. Um, and in fact, I got to back up here for, in case I didn't tell you this, the reason I'm even hosting the show at all is because of George Norrie. Really? When I, when I wrote the first book, uh, Close Encounters on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yes. So, um, I spoke to the producer, Lisa, for an hour on the phone. She was very skeptical and I sent her the pictures and then, you know, the man in the book. And she said, okay, we're going to, you know, we'll get you on with George. I'm like, all right. So it was a big deal. And uh, at some point during the interview, I think this was uh, late 2007 or was it 2006? Anyway, around that time and towards the end of the show, I'm losing my voice. And George had to, he says, I got to hit the cough button. And, you know, and then he was gone for whatever, a minute. And I'm like, well, ladies and gentlemen, I guess it's just you and me or whatever I said, you know. And it, so I, I basically hosted Coast to Coast for like a minute by myself. What, George, what happened to George? Did he leave? He, he hit the cough button. He just he just muted him. He muted his microphone. Oh, and yeah. Okay. So, okay. But somebody was listening. Some producer said um, afterwards, he contacted me. He said, would you like to do your own show from your home? And I'm like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, but um. How do I do that? And he said, oh, I'll walk you through it. It's really simple. And it was really just like Mickey Mouse. This was nothing, really nothing other than it got me to think about. So it's if it all, in retrospect, it feels like a bit of a setup. Because uh, I wasn't planning, I wasn't even planning to write a book, let alone host a show. I, I mean, once I got the book out there, I, I, I realized I had to promote it because nobody else was going to do that. So I was contacting different media outlets, getting a lot of a lot of flack, a lot of uh, skepticism, which I kind of figured was going to be the case. But uh, coast to coast, since you mentioned it, was huge. I mean, the people I reached and the, the emails I got and the, the feedback was insane. Um, some of it was very negative, too. Like somebody hacked the pictures that were on my website. Oh, Actually, I know who did it, but I mean, I know why. But now it's like at the time I was really infuriated, frustrated. But um yeah, so I ended up, I ended up trying to host my own show. It was terrible, I thought. Um, and so I put it aside. Then I I started writing a second book, which again I wasn't planning, on, but I, I ended up doing it. And I realized that um, I couldn't just I could just uh, do a lot of interviews, which I ended up doing anyway. 
but I pref- I thought it would be best if I learned how to actually host a show better or well or whatever. And uh, I went on Blog Talk, and then I that sucked, and so I ended up doing my own stream. Yeah, I don't like Blog Talk, by the way. Horrible. And I and I did and I couldn't justify spending a lot of money on the project, so. Uh, my friend Kevin Smith, who's deceased now, he had his own whatever, and he says, "Robert, I'll show you how to do it. Just get do the you know download the software, and you can just be your own, uh, have your own server, and all this stuff." <laughs> uh, so uh, naively, I went into that realm and learned how to actually uh, manage a streaming radio station in a very small way. Okay, so I can imagine what it's like for other people, but. I'm just saying, I I understand how much work you put into it, or anybody's doing it, anybody who does it well. I mean, sure, anybody with a microphone can do, host a show, microphone and a, and a computer. You just plug in and you, whatever, your platform. But to do it well, um, that's it, a whole other story. Yeah. Really, like anything else, you have to be passionate and you have to have some talent and you got to dedicate time and some money. And it ain't easy. A lot of people think it's very easy, and I've had these sort of conversations with uh, lots of folks out there who contact me. You know, they say, oh, I'd love to do my own show and blah, blah, blah. I would do this. I'd do that. Then, you know, I I sit back and say, well, go ahead. I mean, yes, go go for it. You know, if you really want to do it, go ahead and try it out. And, of course, nine out of ten times, they they don't. Yeah, well, guys like you make it look easy, you know, because you've got the voice. You've got the talent. You understand how to use the technology because that's a big part of it. If you don't know how to use the technology, you should even waste your time because there's always going to be, as you and I talked about off the air last time, <laughs> there's always issues. All the time. And you got to be a man. You got to be a man that wears many hats if you want to do something like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like an army of one, basically, uh, to an extent. And Right. You know, I, I kind of I really admire people that, especially the old days, with the way they did a team and they could actually produce a show and it's very much you hit the mark and you've got it's serious sponsors and stuff uh but those days are gone and and so we got to deal with the 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 modern media uh, they call us the alt media but uh, i don't think so the alternative media has become mainstream and the mainstream has basically uh, shriveled and died on the vine it really has. And it's a sad thing, you know, and you try to talk to these people out there that fall victim of believing everything they hear and see on the television. doesn't matter if it's CNN or Fox, MSNBC, all these places, all these news anchors. You shouldn't trust these people at all. No, no. Unfortunately, a lot of people do. They they only trust one source of news. And it's it's sad that people have fallen victim to the left and right paradigm. It's a choice, though, Michael. It's not like somebody's forcing them to do it. You could you turn it off any time. And, and that's why I don't understand people that are so woke. They get triggered and they want to then dox people and uh, punish them for just having an opinion or reporting some sort of information that they feel is uh, incorrect or insulting or whatever. I, it, that's that's the really hard part, I think. You know, what, the other thing about having talent, time, technology, okay, fine. But but these days, you got to navigate through the, the, the what I just described there are people, the, the sharks, basically, on the internet um, who are, who are they're, they're looking for blood. 
they're no. destructive and they want to ruin everything that you do. And I have had plenty of people like that as well that want to ruin everything that I love. They, you know, they go after people that I know. They go after anyone who interacts with me. There's been plenty of gang stalkers like that. Wow. You, I just expect that sort of thing to happen. Oh, uh, that's terrible. Oh, I'm, yeah. I mean, it's been going on for a, a long time, especially with me. I mean, you know, uh, for a while, one of the producers didn't even want to put me on Coast to Coast AM. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. I, I think I could say his name. It's not like it's a bad thing. Tom Danheiser. You know, he was getting emails from people trying to uh, sabotage me, basically, telling him not to put me on. <laughs> so he prevented me from being on. Oh, God. Inside baseball. All right. So um, I've been on with George at least a dozen times. I kind of lost track. It's either 12, 13. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I told you about how I got that weird request. Yeah. A couple years ago, just right. before Easter, you know, please ask your audience to ask us for help dealing with the fallen angels. And I'm like, weird. Okay. Uh I ended up talking about that on Coast to Coast with George. And look, um, I also told him what I told you was uh, the, the forbidden fruit was not an apple. Yeah. Okay. It was a child. And uh, at least that's the way it's presented in um, Jewish and Islamic mythology. And that this wasn't an ordinary child. It was a supernatural child. <laughs> but... I, what I said, much like I said on your show, I said, if there's any parents there with children listening to this particular mm. part of the show, please turn it off or get them out of the room before I talk about this. And and <laughs> naturally, Tom is listening to everything because that's his job, I guess. I don't know. And um, then I, somehow the line went dead. Hmm. Yep. And then Tom called me and was yelling at me. That was the second time that Tom has yelled at me. <laughs> he was yelling at you. Yeah. And he's the only producer that's ever yelled at me. And um, thank God it's only been twice. He seems like a normal guy most of the time. But I know, and I understand he's under a lot of pressure. But anyway, he was just saying, Robert, we don't do that here. Well, you know, it's like, well, what? I, What'd you do? Well, apparently, you know, he was concerned that I was, what they're worried about is getting sued. Oh, my by somebody, like I told you, that happened to me at KJRA. I, I was talking about, uh, oh, geez. That, I, <laughs> I just don't see how you can get sued for talking about the Bible. Not me, but the station, because I'm station. on there. Yeah, I, whatever. I, they just don't want the the, the blowback, mm. which it's I, I don't care. And like, if fine, you don't want me to talk about it, fine. But he was just so freaked out. Uh, I said, okay, Tom, you know, okay. Uh, I'll be more cautious. I just, that was just, a, that was one little piece of the puzzle I thought was whatever. And and, nice. and then we got back on the thing. George says, oh yeah, that we dropped the call. And he says, well, you know, at least you were nice enough to tell people to get their children out of the room. I mean, in a way, he was kind of apologizing for Tom jumping down my throat. Um, I, I don't really know George, even though we've talked on the air, it is just so contrived. It's not like we're, ha you know, you and I are having a real conversation between two real people uh, without any censorship or over whatever. And uh, well, I don't feel that way when I'm on terrestrial radio. Well, no, I mean, you're, you have to respond and answer to the questions you sent in. Well, he, he usually, George usually deviates from that. I found he does, I don't even, I, it's sort of like, okay, look, we're going to go for a ride. And I, can you send me some training wheels? 
And and then we get on the bike and I'm like, where's the training wheels? Oh no, we don't really need it. I just just wanted you to do that. I'm like, just in case. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know. Uh, look, um, uh, you know who Richard Hoagland is? Absolutely. All right, most everybody does. They don't really know him personally. I know Richard for since 2000 and. I've been told many things by people yeah, that yeah. Call but this aside way. from that, I've, I mean, yeah. I actually know him. We sat down to dinner, and I, I got to know his wife pretty well, Robin. Robin. And yeah, so and she was telling me she was. I didn't realize it at the time when I was talking to George off and on for you know years, that Robin was actually really good friends with George, and that they would be texting each other during <laughs> during the show. <laughs> wow. And Richard was really jealous. He's like, well, I, I'm special. I want to be, I want to be George's buddy too. I, they, he, they should give me my own, whatever. Like, Those two have a weird relationship. Who? Uh, Nori and Hoagland. They, you know, they battled, they battled it out before. I mean, even on, even on air, they went at it. I know. I know. I know. Well, yeah. Anyway, aside from all that, yes, I'm yeah. painfully aware of that crap. But, um, and Richard got along, I think, better with our bell. Which is somebody I I just didn't click with, but whatever. Um, Same here. How do we get off on that? I I mean uh, you know I liked art, but um, personally we had some disagreements. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. very strange good dude, and um, I think anybody that's really dedicated to so-called uh, entertainment is hmm, different to say the least. I mean, having grown up around people like that in Malibu. It was pretty obvious that um, not normal. Not, not not at all. No. Yeah. Most I, of the time, no. Judging. Yeah, I'm not judging. I'm just saying it's pretty. It's pretty damn obvious. Uh, uh, my neighbor was the guy that uh, produced Love American Style. Ah, I see. And uh, it was pretty mainstream Hollywood at the time. It was very risque, and and you know people were like, "Oh, that guy is. He writes that show, you know." <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, that was that was considered really like, uh, like laughing and love American style and stuff was just. Uh, and they had the censors always trying to cut, you know, cut stuff up. And um, it's not, nowadays anything, everything goes. It's just complete insanity. There's no regulations. Yeah, everything I, is too hypersexualized. Oh my god, I kind of wish that they would bring back some censorship. It's just like, please, uh, you, you know. I'm not a prude. I'm not either. I mean, I'm I'm a young man still. I, you know, I'm in my 30s still. And oh, you're a youngster. Okay. I'm still full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> but <laughs> even I myself don't like movies where it's just it's like a love scene. It's like there there it's it's the whole Hollywood sort of formula. And nowadays, you know, it's two mommies, two daddies. But um, what I'm saying now though is, you know, everything is just so hypersexualized. Uh, you know, the adults. Teenagers, kids, um, it, it's just, it's too much. It's just, it's too much, Robert. I don't know what's going on with these people, but people have lost their mind in the media. Those who run Hollywood have really crossed the line, in my opinion. I consider it to be a satanic inversion. That seems to be the best explanation for why everything the simpler is. Simpler way, yeah. Yeah, it's because it's not just sexualization. It's uh, the level of violence, the level of drugs, and uh, just the corruption, which seems to be like, uh, accepted at some point, at some up to a level of like, um, you, desensitized is what it is. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But it's also, they're, they're trying to make it seem like, or normalize it. I think what we said earlier, but they're trying to normalize stuff that is truly 
inverted, perverted, distorted, whatever. And I do think that's part of the agenda from the dark side that most people don't, um, they don't, I, and I understand why. I think it's just scary. It's just really scary because if it's real, that means you, we got to do something about it. You can't just sit there and let it happen. Um, because the whole damn house of cards, it's, it's really coming down. I mean, I don't know how much attention you pay to uh, current events. But I pay it, too much attention. Let's put it that way. It's like everybody. Okay, so I'm not the only one. Um, what's happening with the um, the scamdemic virus? Yeah. And what do they call that? mRNA gene therapy. Uh, <laughs> all of that is coming out. The whole Janu January 6th insurrection is that whole thing is blowing up uh, it, it's just like one thing after another the whole freaking house of cards and i kind of knew this was coming because it's unsustainable everything about the dark side is unsustainable and actually everybody who participates in it is expendable they think they're all oh i'm so magnificent you know no you're you're going to get thrown under the bus like the rest of them absolutely and it's a, a crime what has happened and just the other night i was talking about how the u.s government owes Every citizen, at least a million dollars of reparations for what they've done to us the last several years. I feel like a rape victim, Robert. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Well, as I said, growing up in Malibu, there was um, intentional government releases of radioactivity from reactors that were up on the hill there above Chatsworth at the Santa Susana Pass. Um, uh and the Department of Energy was the one oversight. And rather than the, – they were concerned the reactors were going to blow up. They probably would have, and it would have been released. So they figured to just release it anyway, and then uh, the reactors wouldn't blow, and then they could repair it. Well, unfortunately, it happened more than once. I don't know if it was sabotage or what because it was part of the Cold War. And uh, they said that these things these – these particular reactors were very small, and they were going to put them into the space program. But it's still radioactive, and it went all over the place. Into the, got into the food and water. So I realize what happened at, at East Palestine is bad. It's horrible. But is it unprecedented? Hell no. It's uh, <laughs> um, it's amazing. I, I don't even know really, honestly, how we function still, considering all the radiation and other pollution that's we're we're constantly exposed to on this planet. Um, as I said, and, and not was, to mention other, not not to mention other frequencies as well, right? That and that, beamed all over the place. It, yeah, and again, it's all about dissonance. But that's why I've been telling people, you know, if it wasn't for divine mercy, if it wasn't for this divine reset, which some people are called the Great Awakening, and I don't disagree with it, but I mean, it, it's it's way more dynamic than that, and. and I wish I could just shut up and let you talk. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, these are just subjects that everyone has on their mind, especially once you wisen up and, and wake up and see what's been going on since the early 2000s. And well, obviously even before, but that's when all these sort of agendas and plans are to really fruition or come to fruition rather. And you got to ask yourself, why does the DOD, why are they always wanting to do this? The U.S. government and all the other, all the other uh, globalist governments out there, why do they want to kill all of us and injure the population? And, you know, it always comes down to uh, money, basically. That's one of the motivators. Ego is another. Uh, sex power, money, whatever. Um, 
fame. Yeah, it's it's all connected. Fame is a sickness, by the way. What's that? I said fame is a sickness. Oh, yeah. No one should ever want to be famous or become famous. I mean, that's right. that's something no one really wants. And, and when you get it, you're, you'll regret it. Trust me. Yeah, it, it seems like it doesn't go well for most of those people. Again, growing up around them, uh, I could see how miserable most of them were and, and unhealthy. It ends badly. It, it usually, yeah, I would say the majority of them. I'm trying to think any of them that actually were happy and healthy. Uh no, because then once you once you are allowed to be elevated to such degree, you have this meteoric rise in popularity and fame. Mm-hmm. The come down is just it's devastating for a lot of these people, and they they never bounce back. Well, even uh, their children, because I grew up around some of the kids too. They obviously some of them have families, and they were uh, always living in the shadow of uh, their parents or parents that was famous or is still famous that. Even if they're deceased, there's like this legend around them. Yeah. Um, for when you get to that level, Robert, you, you um, one thing people don't realize is that, you know, you are only allowed, you're basically allowed to get that high up there. And then that's when you owe. Right. People forget about that. You owe a lot to others out there. And sometimes it will cost your life. Typically, or your sanity, or both. Uh I mean, Steve McQueen was a very troubled guy, even though people enjoyed watching him perform. Um, a lot of that uh, fire was real because he was a really screwed up guy. Didn't know his dad. Mom was an alcoholic, whored around. Uh, he he was heavily into drugs and sex and committed a lot of crimes. And um, <laughs> it was a mess. Uh, I mean, but he was talented for sure as an actor because he, when he played a, a cop or a bad guy, either one, he could, he understood that persona. It wasn't like an intellectual exercise. He he was he felt it because he knew that he'd been there. He'd been through it, both sides of the the, the thing. That, um, those characters that he portrayed in, in, in him, through him, were very, very, very real. So they're, they're broken like he is. Yes, yes. So, and that's why a lot of people that are dysfunctional or whatever, damaged like that, they end up trying to go to Hollywood. Most of them never make it in the front door. Right. I was not welcome there. I, and it's not that they told me I wasn't, I just could feel it. Every time I got anywhere near the Hollywood sign or a studio, uh, it's like those two magnets that just repel. I, I know what feeling you're talking about, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, even though I'm fairly photogenic and articulate, and I'm sure I could have done it, um, I remember talking to Ali McGraw about it because I got to know her pretty well when I was working security at the beach. And uh, very nice lady, by the way. And she she liked me to the point where she was being brutally honest. Like, because I, I, I said to her, do you think that would that would be – when I was younger, I was like, do you think that would be something I should or could pursue? And she said, you're, you're, you're not cut of that cloth. <laughs> you're not cut. From, yeah. Of that cloth. I mean, cause she's obviously, she'd been down the road, you know, the casting couch. Oh, I see. Sleeping with whoever. She's been through it all then. Uh, I, I don't know about all enough. And uh, yeah. yeah, she was basically warning me, you, you, you know, you, you, <laughs> you don't want to get involved in this world. Uh, you, yeah. Yeah. And it, like I said, it, it, it literally consumes people. 
when they get any kind of sense of fame, fortune, it it's fleeting. It's all gone because the whole damn thing is based on an illusion. It really is. It's a false sense of reality, and it's all centered towards the ego. Uh, yeah, well, it, but there's a spiritual nonsense. to it, too, Michael. The well, city yeah. of angels, they never tell you the rest of it. It's the city of fallen angels. The queen of heaven is not, not Mary. The queen of, of this particular realm is, is something much more uh, dark. And uh, there was a reason that they chose that particular location. In fact, Malibu is what it is because it's, it's the sister city to Hollywood. Right. And uh, one little fun tidbit for you. My call-in number is 424, and that's um, that's from – that's um, – that's where exactly – that's Beverly Hills, rather, 424. Oh. And yes, that's the area code for um, the Hollywood Hills area, and my call-in number is 424-666-2425. It was very difficult for me to get that number, and it was just my sort of nod to the sort of the whole Hollywood Babylon sort of theme. Hmm. I thought, how appropriate. Well, you could have done voiceover. I'm surprised you didn't do that. Well, I've been trying to, and sometimes I, I have been doing some voiceover work. I, I, I definitely have done some projects, but... Um, well, I, haven't, I haven't done it in a while, though. It hasn't really gone the way I wanted it to. Next time, I should have thought this before, because um, there's not many people that have a voice like yours. Uh, next time I need a voiceover, I'm going to sure, hire you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I love working with audio. It's it's really quite extraordinary that you have such a range of control over sound and the emotions that it can evoke in people. Um but at the same time, I realized that, you know, it, to pursue these things professionally, especially in this day and age, even independently, it's a bit of a, I just feel like, okay, especially if you're on YouTube, which I'm not really, I don't, I don't waste a lot of time there because I don't feel like getting uh, censored or whatever, demonetized. So I don't even bother. But I know there's people that have gone that route who end up, ended up feeling like they had to. So self-censor in order to stay on there and make uh, do yeah yeah so it's it's not much different than the, than you know the old networks in some ways you still have censors yeah you still have to self-center yourself you can't you know use four-letter words very often you can't you can't really have that much fun and act um rowdy at times but i i still do regardless but <laughs> i've said things that would probably get me knocked off if, if the show was much more popular but the thing is, um, my show when I when I do these things, people already know it. It's more satirical than it is in a serious sort of manner. So I I think it's also because I'm telling you know I'm telling these jokes at times, and I think that sort of bypasses the, the censorship just a tiny bit. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, at some point though, I mean, I just. Where would you like to see yourself in, say, five, ten years from now? Well, that's a difficult question. Mm -hmm. Very difficult question in terms of, you know, this this sort of line of work I'm doing. Um, I would love to return to the radio if it was a lucrative sort of sort of deal. But mm -hmm. so far, it, it hasn't really gone the way I wanted it to. And I've been invited to host 
um, the certain uh, shows. There's a there's a like a top forty show out in New York that called me up one day, and they wanted me to do their their whatever their their show their top forty nonsense. And you know I agreed, but they also there's a caveat. They wanted me to be vaxxed. And this is a remote job, Robert, and they still wanted me to be vaxxed. I mean, that's insanity. And it's happened more than once already. It's happened twice in New York and really? once in, in Texas. For remote work? For remote work, yes. That's as in, insane as that is, Robert. That's <laughs> that's the that's the reality that I'm in. And I said I said no to three stations already. Wow. Wow. Well, okay, if that isn't satanic, I don't know what is, because uh, there's no logical explanation. That's not science. Madness is what it is. Yeah, criminal ins criminally insane, especially because when at this point, if you don't know that the mRNA gene therapy is not safe and it's not effective unless the goal is to harm or kill, it's certainly effective at that, we know, um, for, for anybody to use strong arm another person to threaten or whatever um manipulate that's that's criminal that that is absolutely criminal uh it boggles my brain it's unfair it really is i it's, wish things weren't like this bud that's yeah. the situation that we find ourselves in in 2023 yes okay i guess i should mention that on huh? for people that listen to this and as an archive it's march 10, uh I'm sorry. We're recording this. <laughs> March 10th. No, the, it airs on ah, March 13th. March 13th. Okay, so today, the, whoever's listening live on the stream, it's 13 March to 2023. Hard to believe that we made it this far. Um, well, I certainly hope that whatever you want to do going forward, you're, you get that opportunity because I know you have a, a tremendous talent and that you are a honest and open individual that is um, rare in this world, unfortunately. I'd like to see more people like you have a voice and or platform to help kind of communicate whatever the zeitgeist is of the day. And I know it's, it's changing all the time, but uh, we do need more people like you, Michael. Honestly, I, I'm not just saying that to be... Uh, blowing smoke yeah no worries i i really do appreciate that robert i think that's a very generous and uh, nice thing to say and uh, you know i i only strive to be the best version of myself that i can be <laughs> uh, i know that sounds cheesy but no, it's, it's true a lot of people are disingenuous i've heard this from well, so many people they said they they say i resonate with you you seem authentic well as opposed to what i mean exactly uh Fake, I guess. Yeah. Disingenuous. Yes, I guess so. I'm a straight shooter. You know, I can't be anything else. Well, you could. That's what I'm trying to say is there are people out there that clearly are. They just they want clickbait or and that's I, th I think this is what I'm so becoming so uh, disinterested in the Internet in general. Because the content, generally speaking, when I look around and I see the 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 Majority of the content now has become so slick and uh, overproduced and just I find like they're obviously trying to get you into a certain mind frame. 
it just seems very disingenuous to me, much like television is or was. And uh, I, I, I'm over it, especially people that, that make incredibly outrageous claims without any proof. They just keep rolling over with more and more of the same nonsense that, that cannot be proved ever about extraterrestrials and uh, conspiracies like um, clones. I, I'm sure that some of that stuff is true, but it's like the, <laughs> the amount of nonsense that is out there is just mind boggling. It really is. You know, our society is heavily reliant on short-term solutions like, uh, let's say, like the drug Xanax. You know, lots of people out there hopped up on that. And, you know, these are just symptoms that um, go without addressing the underlying issues for lots of Americans out there. And, you know, that's the society that we live in, this this ADD sort of um, Xanax-riddled sort of society is what we currently uh, are left with here in 2023, um, Robert. I hate to say that, but that's kind of the reality that we live in. Yeah. Well, okay. So part of it, from my understanding, is uh, um, the way that television is formatted. It's not just the frame rate. It is the way that they started doing jump cuts. Like, so almost literally inducing ADD on attention deficit disorder for people. ADD does not mean ad. It's a attention deficit disorder uh, because they're constantly jumping. Commercials are the worst, but even in television shows and movies, uh, not the old ones, but you can see what they're doing. They're, they're constantly switching from one camera to the next, one scene to the next so hard. Camera A, camera B. It, yeah, and it just it, it messes with our, our yeah. cognition. I agree. It's all it's all by design. Okay, so the antidote, my understanding, is sitting in nature, watching a sunset, or listening to the birds, or by the beach. You know, it can re help reset um, our ability to focus more than just a fraction of a second at a time. You know, it's uh, it takes effort, but I swear to God, that's that's to me that seems like the way to go. What about you? I, you know, I, I hate that, that we can even observe these sort of things and make these sort of theories out of, out of, out of what the media does. But yeah, that's exactly what they do. And, you know, sex sells. And that's why we have all this sort of hyper sexualized sort of material. And, you know, we see violence and sex constantly. And I'm sure it's done a, a lot of damage to us. <laughs> I can only imagine what these uh, younger generations will go through, Robert. But um, I agree with you. Yes, we we definitely need time away from our that that little box in our living rooms that tells us what to eat, what not, what not to like, what to fear. Mm -hmm. You know, TV does everything uh, in terms of how to what to make you think really. It's the it's the saddest thing in the world, but yes, lots of people falling victim to it. And again, you know, we went through the whole the plan the the pandemic. I was going to say the scam demic, but too, yeah, yes, the pandemic, and a lot of people fell victim to that. Our friends, our our family, all of them were influenced by that little box that they have in their living rooms. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, so it seems like a it's been a bit of an uphill uphill battle with uh. Because uh, family, mostly my family, uh, watch a lot of that garbage, and then they regurgitate towards myself and my wife, and then uh, we say, "Oh no, there's an alternative," and they say, "No, it's not. That's fiction. That's fake." 
what we see is real. So in a way, it is the matrix right now. Mentally, people are in a prison of their own mind, and they don't even know it. It's a prison planet. Yeah. <laughs> well, not for much longer, I think. That's just my opinion. Um, we'll see if it comes to fruition, but I'm I'm firmly convinced that there's something more to life than this. And um, we are on the verge of breaking out. Those of us, and the thing, it doesn't have to be everybody. It's just a simple, highly dedicated, highly awake minority that will make a huge difference. Um, I know they call it the hundredth monkey and all that stuff, but it's, it's, it's what I was saying about before about frequency resonance. You know, it's like um, we put it out there, sort of like meditation. You put it out there, and that patterning then reverberates through the collective, and those who are ready will feel it. And then, uh, what do they call that? Uh, when you, uh, they'll tune into it. And it'll alter them in a in a beneficial way. I mean, that's at least that's what I see happening. It's it's been happening for some time in the midst of all this insanity. Some of us are still sane, and Only we some of us, yes, yeah. But well, but I, okay. So I, I'm, what I keep vacillating between is is it safe to go out and and talk about these things from my perspective and share them with people like yourself and whoever listens. Um, obviously not, but at the same time, hiding is not helping and they're going to come after us anyway, because we're not part of their agenda. We're not supporting their satanic agenda. So we might as well, I might as well, I'm talking to myself here. I kind of have to pep talk myself into this, you know, just keep going, Robert, you know, it, 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 you're helping some people and, um, yeah, you're just going to keep rolling with the punches, and it's important to remain authentic to yourself and not allow external pressures to dictate your actions or decisions. So be true to yourself and don't let the world tell you what to do is basically what I'm saying to you and to all the listeners out there. Yep. Well, the, and the other thing is, like, I feel like we can't always be on a f offense, and obviously there's no point in being violent or hateful or any of those negative emotions. It's just that um, even in the most positive way, Sometimes you got to step back, uh, I feel. I know I do. I can't constantly be on, uh, you know, exposing and opposing the dark side uh, because at some point they do get upset. And uh, I know they have abilities, whether they do it directly or indirectly. I've been on the receiving end of that crap. And um, so, in other words, I feel like you have to be a little bit strategic about it. Like you said, you know, you've, you've run into people over the years that are so triggered and so offended and whatever things that they justify trying to come after you, even though you, your intentions are good. So uh, you just have to spend time with these people and sort of reach them in ways that, you know, that will be effective. So you kind of have to use a little bit of psychology, even though I know that's not maybe not the right thing to always do to some people, but sometimes you do have to use your, your brain to, you know, get get the uh, wheels turning, get the cog turning in their brains about certain things. So you got to use certain psychology, sort of little tricks to get them to get them to think properly. So you always have to sort of um, know these little things. Um, you got to know the, their likes, their dislikes and set hmm. it in ways that they can understand. 
Okay. Well, that's good advice. Um, especially in a, if somebody's trying to attack you or your family, that's like, uh, it, and, uh, okay. For some reason they think that I feel like the, the dark side seems to think that that's okay. They can do whatever they want. Um, and increasingly more so now, even the criminals are emboldened because the, the justice system is so corrupt. They just, they let people out, um, or they give them short sent lenient sentences for doing things. And so crime is, it's not just for people like you and me. I, I mean, for what we do, it's like, I feel, uh, it's dangerous now for everybody, especially in some of these cities where criminals are, are basically, uh, free reign. Pretty much. That's what happens out here in California as well. I noticed lots of people stealing and taking all kinds of things and no one's stopping them. Well, because the laws changed and who did that and why? I mean, it's just so obvious that they want to create chaos because out of out of chaos comes order. But what sort of order are they trying to the new world order, I guess, is what they're they're searching for. Right. Agents of chaos. They just they just never stop. And. I don't exactly know who started this agenda, but it's been around us for such a long time. But just now it's really, they're really kicking it up is what's going on. Right, 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 right. And it's so it's 10 all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Like uh spinal tap, it goes to 11. There you go. Great, great film, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the best is yet to come. And uh, I mean, this, in the sense of that the dark side has served a purpose, but it's it's again it's unsustainable and it does there's no point in in keeping it around forever um, to challenge people. It's it's just it's a phase, I guess. You know, in relationships, people say, "Oh, it's just a phase they're going through; they'll get over it." And I I really feel like that's collectively throughout the cosmos. That's that's what's been going on. I know I mentioned to you before the war in heaven. I keep repeating myself like a broken record, but I really feel like that's what's going on. Well, there's something going on, whether it's a war in heaven or just um, politicians losing their minds and <laughs> controlling the rest of us um, for their own monetary purposes. And, you know, that's what a lot of people do. Unfortunately, these people that you see on the news, again, Private opinions vary from public opinions. I'm sure everyone knows that by now, but a lot of people fall victim into believing what they see on the news simply because they're on their, on their uh, quote unquote, on their side. You know, they want to believe what uh, the left or the right is saying. And, you know, that's all they believe. Yeah, it's a group. It's gospel. Yeah, it's, it's a group think because there's some safety. At least that's the perception is you're safe if you're within a group and are a team. And you can oppose the opponent together as opposed to just thinking for yourself. Uh, that scares some people, apparently. I, I'm not that way, thank goodness. But I noticed this dynamic, and it's uh, – uh, I, I think it's a detriment, but that's just me. I, I'm not here to judge. It's just my opinion. It seems like we could do a lot better than what we're doing right now. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. We could do better, and hopefully that we start seeing that. We start seeing lots of change coming. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm positive that um, we could sort of uh, get through this, through the other side in one piece, Robert, without blowing ourselves up. Okay, so I think one of the things that you and I talked about was manifestation. 
Oh, that's right. Yes. And okay, so in retrospect, I think I didn't explain that correctly. Was uh, or well was uh, manifestation versus manufacturing something artificially. You know, mm -hmm. manipulating matter is one thing we do with technology. I'm talking about a technique, and that's what a lot of people have written to me f to get the briefing on that. Uh, I'm not sure that I explained it as well as I could because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm only human. But what I, my understanding is we have that ability as gods that we're still in the, in the very, very early phase or stages of our abilities or adapting or perfecting those abilities. But, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about people in India that supposedly can manifest stuff just like ash or whatever out of thin air. But we know there's no such thing as a nothingness and that there's an energy all around us. We're in a sea of energy. So Einstein has said that energy can be converted to matter and, and vice versa. So how do we do that? Well, in Star Trek, and I know that's fictional, everybody, uh, there was something called a replicator. And how that worked was it looked, it took energy and converted it into matter. And that's the difference between manufacturing through manipulation and of materials as opposed to manipulating energy and turning it into matter. So we, we, we see 3D printing right now. Is it, It's starting to come on board online. But I'm talking to a whole other level, whole other level. And maybe it's too advanced for some people, not you, but I'm just saying we're not there yet, but the potential is there. It's lying dormant. And I don't think it's just us. I, I really feel like that's universal. So it's, it's something we we really ultimately will need to uh, learn that technique, that skill. And I, I'm sure it's a God-given gift. Those 3D printers are quite expensive. That's all I know. <laughs> but They're can you imagine? Ricey. I'm talking about if you could take literally, if you could imagine something in your mind and then through your heart, uh, the energy of your heart chakra, if you could literally manipulate subatomic matter to coalesce into a material format in front of your very eyes. Now, that would be phenomenal if I could That's, do something like that, yes. So I didn't explain it very well last time we talked, and it's been bothering me that I didn't, because it's not, again, this is not a conversation just for you and I, it's for whoever's listening sure. in the ethers. Um, but it's not an idle concept. This is really something, like you said, it's phenomenal. It's a gift. Can we achieve it? Yeah, I'm positive that we can. But we first, you know, you have to learn to crawl before you can walk, before you can run. It's the same thing with this deal. Um, uh, there's examples there that I've come across over the years. That's what, that's what leads me to believe that this is absolutely real. It's just we haven't. Uh, learned how to to do it yet, and more importantly, we're not being allowed to, because <laughs> that would that would change the dynamic of everything. Once uh, enough of us learned how to literally manifest things, well, that would be awesome if we could oh, learn how to do will, that. It, it it will it will be it will be. I mean, anyway, we're running out of time here, Michael. How, what would Pretty you like? What would you like to say to the audience here on the end, towards the end of the show? Well, first and foremost, I do want to thank you again, Robert, for letting me be a part 
of your program here and giving me a chance to talk to your, your listeners out there on Revolution Radio, I believe. I, I don't think I've ever been here before. <laughs> so I, I want to say a hi and thank you to you. And I'm glad you allowed me to talk freely here and be a part of the program. And I always enjoy speaking to you. It's always a honor and pleasure, Robert. And you know, I hope we can do it again. And of course, if anybody wants to follow my show, you can just go to michaeldeacon.com and all the information is right there in front of you. And that that's pretty much it, Robert. You know, I, I had a blast here and I definitely want to return again and I want to have you back on the show eventually. And we'll do this again, Robert. Well, I appreciate you, Michael. And uh, somehow this mutual admiration is more than just uh, ego stroke. I, I do. F I feel that in my heart. OK, I just I'm being very sincere about it. And I feel you are, too. And that's important that we share and care and work towards a better future for all of us. I mean, um, it's nice to just joke around about stuff, but it's also important that we share these these higher concepts because it's it's a it's like a roadmap for us to, to set goals and to ultimately journey into the future together in a way that's uh, beneficial for everybody and not just the corrupt few that are controlling everything right now. Oh, yes. Do not let the chaos of life confuse you, boys and girls. We will get through the other side in one piece. And uh, again, uh, be true to yourself and don't let the world tell you what to do. That That's my other final bit of advice. Again, just want to drive it home for the listeners out there. Well, that's profound and also beautiful and, and perfect way to end. Thanks again, Michael, for being uh, with us today. You got it, my friend. I'll see you on the other side. Mahalo. <laughs> Mahalo.